It's Wake Up Wyoming with Glenn Woods. Time is 6.06. It is a Tuesday, last week of the year. Just... For those who didn't catch it yesterday, Monday's show was a repeat, just so you know. All right, there's a lot to go over today, but not a lot happened in Wyoming over the weekend. So I'm sorry I don't have a whole lot of local state news right now, just because it was a quiet weekend in Wyoming. Wasn't in the rest of the country because they don't know how to do things right, but we here had a nice quiet weekend. And I want to get right away to what's happening in, well, the snowstorm, especially Buffalo, not Wyoming, New York. Buffalo, New York having a tough time with all the snow. And more bad weather heading that way, but hang on. Warning, this show contains reference to guns, liberty, limited government, low taxation, the cult of climate change, free thinking, cigar smoking, short people, rubber chickens, Karen's bureaucracy, liberal buzzwords, tour runs, traffic, toilets, terrible jokes, and more. No apologies will be issued. Guest callers may express any opinion they want without fear of being canceled. Unless you're a loudmouth jerk like Dave, then Glenn will hang up on you. Strap in, hold on to your coffee, and feel free to participate. This disclaimer does not refer to every person named Dave. Just one particular Dave from San Francisco. We know a lot of Daves. They call this show all the time, and they're great people. So don't call this program and complain that we use your name. That would be a real Dave move, Dave. So it did have, of course, a lot of snow, lots of snow and cold hit the western, midwestern part of the country and head over to the east coast. And not to make light of it, I don't intend to, but Buffalo, Wyoming had some deaths. In fact, last I heard, 48 or to 50 people have died in this snowstorm. And more is on the way. For the man did it pile high in the Great Lakes area and more coming. It's because the storm is sort of spinning up there and some of it's coming down to make more lake effect snow and that's heading all across the Midwestern states. But remember, this is what I always have to go back on. Flashback. 2000 was the year. Snow is now a thing of the past. Children just aren't going to know what it is. According to a climatologist speaking with the UK Independent. Yeah, of course I have to bring that up. With the amount, not just the amount of snow we got here in our region of the country. But the Midwestern states, especially around that lake effect snow, it just keeps coming and coming and coming. So, okay, here's the story. I'll do it again. From the UK Independent, Britain's weather ends tomorrow with further indications of winter. Sorry, ends tomorrow. This is back in the year 2000. We're striking environmental change. Snow is now starting to disappear from our lives. Sleds, snowmen, snowballs, the excitement of walking out and finding stuff has been settled outside and are all rapidly diminishing part of Britain's culture as warmer winters, which scientists are attributing to global climate change, produce not only fewer white Christmases, but uh, fewer white Januaries and Februaries. And they go on to quote uh, Dr. David Vinner, I believe is who it was. I see, may, well, I'll make sure I get the name uh, pointer. But they, he said back in 2000 that snow was a thing of the past. That'll be such a rare and exciting event 
that when it happens, you're going to have to take your kids outside to explain it to them because they're just not going to know what it is. Well, remember now, the science is settled. The debate is over. Since they have said so, therefore it must be. And if you say otherwise, if you dare say that, boy, did we get a lot of snow, and we do every single year, then you're just a uh, you're a science denier. All right, here's the story. After a deadly buffalo blizzard, again, Buffalo, New York, families scramble to find food and essentials. There are no stores open, the story says. It's whatever you can grab. In fact, there's even the case of, um, well, there's some looting going on. People are getting kind of desperate. Families in western New York scrambling to find food, medicine, and other essentials on Monday after a historic blizzard blocked roads and cut off electricity, forcing many major supermarkets and pharmacies to close. In Buffalo, where at least 18 people have died, the two largest supermarket chains have been closed since Friday, as the latest forecasts called for another 6 to 12 inches of snow. Now, that's that forecast must be a lie. It's got to be a lie because it's a thing of the past. This isn't supposed to be happening anymore. All right, there are no stores open. It's whatever you can grab, said one 54-year-old who lives in Orchard Park. Uh, he's in a suburb of Buffalo itself. Surrounded by snow Sunday night, he ate a bowl of um, generic cinnamon toast crunch for dinner and talked about what little food he had left in his apartment. This is something which I also don't understand about people in general when it comes to, you know a winter event is coming. You know this is going to happen. There, it's all over the news. It's on your phone. For those who still pick up newspapers, it's there. It's on your television. It's on your radio. Where can't you go? You're hearing over and over and over again, this big storm is coming. Get ready for this big storm. One of the things they tell you is get everything you need and just stay home. Unfortunately, I hate to say this, but it's true. A lot of the people that died in this storm so far were outside somewhere, and they shouldn't have been there. Go someplace warm. Hunker down for a few days. It's a big snowstorm coming. I'm sorry. That's me being a climate denier because there's not supposed to be snowstorms anymore. But here comes one. So when they say, well, the grocery store hasn't been open since Friday. You mean you people there in Buffalo, New York, you knew this was coming. You were told. And you didn't go stock up on things way in advance. You also know that winter is coming. So you should have some reserves stocked up at home anyway. There's where I don't understand people and problems like this. I know just because wintertime is coming, I always have some extra squirreled away. I'm just ready for it. There's a little extra. So if I get stuck for a few days, I'm okay. If we have a big storm come through, I've got days worth of food and water and et cetera, et cetera, to take care of it. The number of people who don't do that these days, there was a time before the, the time of the supermarket. And yes, there was a time when supermarkets didn't exist. 
Even the local grocery store wasn't much. Most people produced what they needed at home. And for those people who lived in the more northern states, most of the year was spent prepping for wintertime, knowing that there's going to be several months where they just can't get out there and grow anything. They spent most of the winter just prepping for the winter months, not just making sure they had enough food, but enough fuel to make it through the winter too. Today, we're so used to things just being there. Electricity is just there. You plug in the wall and there it is. The heat just comes out of those vents. It's just there. And so we're just used to it being there. The grocery stores are open. We just go, pick up what we want, swipe our cart. It's just there. Which I think is part of the reason why, for the crowd that says, we have to end all fossil fuels, they mean organic fuels. They just don't know it. Part of that is not understanding where all of this comes from. If you stop using all of that, uh, coal, gas, and oil, I'm sorry, you're just not going to have the power. You're going to plug something in, and there's not going to be any power there. By the way, did you, did you manage to stock up? And do you have reserve money, too? Okay, well, the story goes on to talk about some of the uh, people... And I'm reading from NBC News here, who, oh, they're up to 57 people have died in the area. And again, more snow on the way. These are people who are told in advance and for some reason didn't believe it was coming. And I want to also point out the people who told us many years ago that weather events like this were not supposed to happen anymore because of warming. And now that they are happening, they blame this event on climate change. So they want to have it both ways. They really want to have it both ways. If these events don't happen anymore, it's our fault. But when they do happen, it's our fault. 616 is the time. Let's wake up Wyoming. Have you missed your favorite episode? Something to say? Call 888-97-WOODS or chat with Glenn on the Wake Up Wyoming mobile app from K2 Radio. Six nineteen is the time. Wake Up Wyoming. My name is Glenn Woods. Thanks for joining me last week of the year. Get into the new year. John and Gillette squirreled away. That's road and cultural appropriation. Well, John, what I mean by that is... When I know that a big storm is coming, and even before wintertime, I know winter is coming, so I just take all of the food that I'm going to need, and I just pack it in my cheeks. Usually my butt cheeks, but my cheeks, anyway. It's all ready to go. Fatten up for the wintertime. Here we go. That's how that works. Now, I do have, a little bit later on this morning, a list here. Rand Paul, for the end of the year, always goes through his government pork spending of the year. And they gifted Rand Paul just before Christmas time. This was a Christmas gift to him, I think. That uh, omnibus spending bill, the, the latest omnibus spending bill, which is, they say, $1.7 trillion. It'll be more than that. But, okay, as if it can be, but it will be. And he goes through a list of the idiotic things that your Congress, Democrats and Republicans, spend money on. And we're going to be finding out 
more of what's in the bill now that the thing is passed. Because remember, you don't know what's in it until you pass it, according to Nancy Pelosi. And most of them don't. Most of them have no idea what they voted for. So a little bit later on this morning, we'll go through some of the ridiculous things that's in that omnibus bill. And why can't these people just stop it? But okay. And we keep voting for them, by the way. Uh, real quick, as long as I was on, there's all of this snow, more coming, more lake effect snow and so coming to places like Buffalo, New York, and just New York in general, and lake effect snow for the states up in that area. And they've already had a tough weekend, as it was, and how we were told that was never going to happen again, because snow was a thing of the past. All right, now, from Real Clear Markets... Uh, website that usually deals with uh, marketplace uh, Wall Street ideas. But this one, the headline, to end climate lunacy, stop treating warming and CO2 hysterically. Oh, I like this. Because as I went through the article, I noticed this author was researching and finding out what I've been talking about for years. Warming would actually be a good thing. And more CO2 would actually be a good thing. We shouldn't be trying to pump this stuff underground. He writes, those who, let me see, make sure I get the author, David Simmons is his name. Those who oppose economically destructive climate policies, like those who promoted, promoted by the Biden administration and the recent United Nations COP27 conference, will continue to fail to stop the advance of these policies, so long as they continue to accept the false claim that warming of the planet and carbon dioxide emissions are harmful. They are not, he writes. On balance, global warming and CO2 emissions are beneficial. Before getting to why that is, however, he says, it is critical to understand why accepting the false climate claims is so harmful. When the destructiveness of climate policies are shown, the response is that the policies nevertheless are necessary to address what President Biden refers to as the existential threat of climate change, the increase of CO2 emissions. When it is noted that these climate policies will at most and significantly, well, they'll insignificantly reduce temperatures if they do anything at all temperatures, CO2 emissions, and so on. If we did everything that the United Nations demanded we do, if it actually worked, the reduction in temperature would be so minuscule, it would make no difference whatsoever. And that's often pointed out, but they don't care. The results have been around since the 1990s. We've known this. The policies have become increasingly destructive and wasteful. Even worse, their continued... Well... Let's call it an infestation appears unlikely to be stopped until the public and policymakers persuade, are persuaded that global warming and CO2 emissions are not harmful. As Margaret Thatcher furiously said, first you win the argument, then you win the vote. To win the argument, it's necessary to focus on scientific fact. Now, you notice we had a bunch of deaths. In fact, John... It was Dona up there in Gillette who sent me a story a while back that showed more people die in cold weather than in warm weather. A lot more. Warming the planet saves lives. 
analysis, millions of deaths in recent decades in numerous countries published in the British Medical Journal, shows that cooler temperatures killed nine times as many. The planet uh, modestly warming within the past few decades has actually killed more people. CO2 emissions does not pollute. Instead, it's beneficial. 2017, over 300 scientists included, and he names the scientists, of major universities and so on. Carbon dioxide is not a pollutant. To the contrary, there is clear evidence increasing atmospheric carbon dioxide is environmentally helpful to food, to crops, to other plants. They nourish all life. It's plant food. It's basically airborne fertilizer with every breath you take. Since 1920s, deaths each year from natural disasters has increased 90%. Let's read that again, because you keep hearing that. Oh, my Lord, all of the people that are dying because of the climate crisis. Since 1920, deaths each year from natural disasters has decreased by over 90%. And this has is data from the International Disaster Database, the University of Oxford, for example, is one institution that showed that. Global warming has not increased hurricane numbers. A NOAA report put out, NOAA put out a report that shows hurricanes are not increasing in number or intensity. That's not happening. The same report sums up, we conclude, that the historic Atlantic hurricane data, this stage does not provide compelling evidence for sustaining substantial greenhouse warming, like like you've been telling, they, they've been telling you, there's more because of CO2. There's more hurricanes than ever before. They're bigger than ever before. Not happening. Global warming also does not increase land burned by fires, and he runs the data in the story here. Sea levels are not rising by any huge rate. Remember now, President Obama bought oceanfront property. And it's still there. UN climate model that President Biden, John Kerry, and other doomsdayers use predict future temperatures that are so speculative and unreliable that they've been unable to produce, well, any of the things that they predicted. They predicted all sorts of horrible things were going to happen. One of my favorite ones that I always love to point out to you guys, the Maldive Islands were supposed to be underwater decades ago, and they're still there and they're just fine. All sorts of predictions that have been made turned out to be completely untrue, and yet they keep making these predictions. So yet another article, um, I'm glad I found this one, and he has, I'll see if I can find a way to pass it on to you guys, because he's got all sorts of links and data and so on that go with it. It's not just what this reporter says. He's backing it up by quoting university studies and so on. This is the real science here, the actual science of climate change. Because oftentimes when I discuss climate change with people who disagree with me, uh, they cite a lot of what they heard, but they can never actually go find the real data that backs up what they're saying. And when I show this data from major universities, from major scientists and so on, they dismiss it without reading it. Yet somehow or other. I am the denier here. And, and so are you, apparently. All right. Got other news besides the climate change thing. I just had to dive into that first because that was one of the big news stories over the weekend. 
I'll start doing that in the next segment of the program. And I'll get into Rand Paul's look at that idiotic spending bill that was passed on Friday, rammed through Congress at the last minute, which both Democrats and Republicans voted for. And what's really in it, we have a little bit of a look now. It's not going to make you happy. I'm sorry. Coming up on local news. Update on your weather forecast right after that. Wake up, Wyoming. Wyoming and beyond with the Wake Up Wyoming mobile app. This is AM 1030 K2 Radio. Six thirty-six. the time. Wake Up Wyoming. So let's talk gas prices for just a bit. Now here in the state of Wyoming, I have noticed this. Average gas price in Wyoming has fallen about 11 cents per gallon as of last week. So let me see. Average across the state. Average. Your local price might vary. $2.87. Again, that's average. So now prices in Wyoming are about 54.1 cents lower than a month ago. That's pretty good. According to Gas Buddy reports, cheapest gas station in Wyoming is now, ready, $1.99. Yeah, that's cheapest in Wyoming is $1.99. And if you think, well, where are they? By the time you get there, you didn't save any money. Lowest gas price in the state yesterday, $1.99, while the highest was $3.85. Quote, while the national average declined for the seventh straight week with oil prices rallying, it remains to be seen if we will manage another week of price declines. Still, the national average is about uh, below $3 a gallon, just a bit. Something that suddenly is a bit less likely because of cold weather. We do have problems coming, and I'm not trying to really be a buzzkill here, but there are problems with diesel and other shortages and supply chain issues and so on. So we could end up with another bump in prices if the supply chain issues continue. All right, so let's take a look. I went over to Gas Buddy and see. There's, yeah, Natrona County is about 218 right now here in the state of Wyoming. This is not going to surprise you. Go over to California. In some places in California, it's still above $5 a gallon. Most of California is within the four-something range. If I head over to, let's see, New York State, 339, 340. Florida is about 295 and $3 average. Down into Texas, $2.60 some cents in Texas average. Montana, about 290 some average. You get the basic idea. There's a little more Wyoming prices over here. Uh, I bet if I head on over, yeah, you head, it's exactly where you would think it would be as far as the high prices are concerned. You head on over to Teton County. Yeah, those are the highest prices in the state. Uh, Natrona County would be the lowest uh, prices here, and there's some. We're basically within the two eighty something range, two fifteen in some areas. 
And see, there's more $4 over there. Oregon, where are you at? $372. Okay. So prices have come down quite a bit. Now, the president, of course, wants to say, because of my policies, the prices... No, because of your policies, the prices went up. And, Mr. President, because of your policies, the prices run the risk of popping up again. I mean, a sudden spike again, because we still have shortages of energy. And... As we get through this winter, and it has been difficult and pricey for people to get home heating gases and home heating oils, if that's what they're using. And for those people trying to get electricity, I keep reminding you guys, remember what's been keeping you warm. That wind and solar has not been helping. And for those people living out west, that's not what's – if you're warm in your home, that's not what's keeping you warm right now. That wind and solar is not doing anything for you. But pushing toward those policies of we're going to go all wind and solar would make – it was the same thing that would happen in Europe, same thing that would happen in California. Prices for energy in general would skyrocket if we keep going down this path. All right. So when it comes to a national energy policy, here's where I've always come down on this. The national energy policy should be keep the government out of it. Keep the government out of our national energy policy. When prices skyrocket, the president should not get the blame because he has nothing to do with it. When the prices plummet, the president should not get credit because he has nothing to do with it. What the government does is just make sure that everybody's being clean and safe and honest. And when it comes to clean energy, CO2 is not a pollutant. But just make sure that they do it clean, do it safe. And the energy companies are honest. Other than that, let the market figure it out. And it will. Where we wind up in trouble is when we end up with government officials who know nothing about the energy industry trying to regulate the energy industry. And so we have these big ups and downs. And at times, well, remember, we were energy independent for a couple of years there. It was during the Carter years that Carter said, we're going to form the Department of Energy to make us energy independent. And how did that work out? Yeah, it took us decades, and it wasn't until finally we took a look at the free market. Then we became energy independent for just a couple of years anyway. And that ended as soon as we decided we weren't going to pursue that anymore. 642, Wake Up Wyoming. This Wyoming mobile app, Wake Up Wyoming, with Glenn Woods on AM 1030 K2 Radio. 648 is the time it's Wake Up Wyoming. Something wrong with the chair over there, Frank? There's always something wrong with yeah, my yeah. chair. Oh, I see. Your headphones are caught under the The cord from the headphones are caught under the chair. And Frank is swinging the chair around to try to... <laughs> see, this is something I need video of. <laughs> She's trying to... Un he got okay. Now he has. He's able to sit up boy, to the mic oh now because that got all tangled. It's been a long there. weekend it's already. It's been yeah. <laughs> you got another long weekend coming up. I know. So, I mean, I, I was lucky to survive this one. Christmas, birthday, the whole nine yards. Okay, so you went through all of that. Yeah, now, ma made it. You know. Okay, because Monday is New Year's Day. Yes, we get another day off. We do. That's two in a row over there. Okay, so. Let's see here. I sat down and I wrote up a list of uh, New Year's resolutions, not what you think. Right, okay. One, I always have the problem of I say to everybody, my resolution is to not make a resolution. Right, I resolve not to resolve. Yet, 
haven't I just made a resolution? Yes. Okay, so yeah. therefore I've already broken my first resolution. I resolved to be 0.0067% nicer to people. Well, that's way too much. Oh, you think so? Yeah. You don't think you can make yeah, that? Go, go okay. a little bit lower. And see. I am going to resolve to stop hanging out with people who ask what my New Year's resolutions are. Yes. They're just as annoying as those people mm-hmm. on Thanksgiving who ask you what you're thankful for. Right. I thought this whole thing, if you want to resolve to do yeah. anything, why are you waiting until New, until New right. Year's Day? It's any time of the year you can go ahead and do this. You know, it's like in football. They say, well, what kind of halftime adjustments are you going to make? Yeah. Why are we waiting until halftime? That's, that's right, yeah. Well, say like gyms, as soon as we hit next week, the gym everywhere, packed, packed with people for maybe about a month or so, and then it's over. Yeah. Okay. Let's see. Oh, um... Since resolving to eat less food always works in reverse, I resolve to eat more food. Right. See how that plays out. Okay. That, I, I think that's one I can keep. Okay. I resolve to be more judgmental of people who actually do go to the gym and honor their membership there. <laughs> I promise to not spend so much of my own money. Other people's money, however, spend the hell out of it. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, I, and I resolve to spend other people's <laughs> yes, money. Okay. And I promise not to run any more red lights I am convinced I can make the yellows. Okay. We'll see how that goes. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'll, I'll go ahead and put my foot down harder than ever before because, Frank, I think I've got this. So. All righty then. Well, the big news from the National Football League is that the Denver Broncos fired their first-year head coach, Nathaniel Hackett, after that 51-14 loss to the Los Angeles Rams on Sunday. The Broncos have been a train wreck this season with a record of 4-11 and thanks to a woeful offense and a woeful performance by quarterback Russell Wilson, a guy the Broncos gave up two first-round draft picks for and signed him to a $245 million contract. Wilson threw three interceptions in that game versus the Rams. The Broncos are averaging 15.5 points a game. That is the worst in the NFL. Hackett, for his end of the deal, was looks like he was in above his head with poor in-game decisions and poor general game management. Jerry Rossberg will be the interim head coach for the rest of the season. The Broncos also fired their offensive line coach, Butch Perry, and special team coach, Dwayne Stooks. This game on Sunday was about as ugly a performance as you're ever going to see. The Rams scored on eight of nine possessions. Bronco players were drawing at each other on the bench. Bronco linebacker Randy Gregory punched a Rams player after the game. Uh, Denver will not make the playoffs for the seventh consecutive season. Also in the NFL from Saturday, the Buffalo Bills with former UW quarterback Josh Allen improved the 12-3 with a 35-13 row win over Chicago and some very cold temperatures. Allen was 15-26 of 26 for 172 yards and two touchdown passes, two interceptions. Cincinnati kept pace in the AFC with a 22-18 win over New England. Casper native and former UW guy Logan Wilson was on nine, in on nine tackles from his middle linebacker spot. Seven of those solos, including a sack. College football, the Wyoming Cowboys will play Ohio on Friday afternoon in the Arizona Bowl in Tucson. The Cowboys come into that game with a record of 7-5. and five. Ohio is 9-4. and four. That's a 2.30 start from Tucson on Friday. We'll have that for you on K2 Radio and Casper and KOWB in Laramie. And the Wyoming Cowboy basketball team will start Mountain West Conference play tomorrow at Fresno State. Cowboys are 5-7 and seven on the year, well below expectations, and Fresno comes in at 4-7. and seven. So here's a chance for UW to steal one on the road. That's a 9 p.m. start tomorrow night from Fresno. We'll have that for you on K2 Radio in Casper and KCGY in Laramie. That's in sports. Uh, who punched who after the game? One Bronco player punched a, a, a Ram player. Okay. It was just a complete and utter meltdown from the yeah. entire team yesterday. So the owners, yeah. were the some of the Walmart people, look at this and go, we are, <laughs> the coach has got to go. Okay. So, and some yeah. of the time, it's easier to fire the coach than easier to fire the players. <clears throat> yeah. So Nathaniel Hackett, like, you're done. We're, we're, we're moving on. 
Okay. It was so bad. Well, it, and the coach sets the tone as far as right. I'm concerned. Yeah. So if you got players doing that to other team members, there's the it, tone it's, set. It's not just that. It's like uh, just poor, poor play. Poor. Yeah. <laughs> that quarterback is signed for $245 million. Wow. And, he, and it's just that bad. He's awful. I have to ask the question again. What are we doing wrong? <laughs> the, 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 I think we actually do a good job here. And we're not getting paid 245 mil. No, either. we're not. Maybe that's the problem. We're actually doing a good yeah, job. Yeah. Maybe if we sucked like this guy did. <laughs> we get paid more money. Wake up, Mark. Six to time. It's Wake Up Wyoming. My name is Glenn Woods. Thanks for joining me. It is a Tuesday. We were not here yesterday. And next Monday is New Year's Day. So Miss Mary and I will have that time off as well. I do have coming up next hour, Rand, Senator Rand Paul gave a list of some of the most outrageously stupid and ridiculous spending of the year. And oftentimes, when that's delivered, when that list is delivered on television they the anchors make fun of it they have a good time they laugh about the stupid spending to me it's maddening it's outrageous it makes me mad as hell i'm not i'm not all that of an emotional person but i get mad as hell when i read this so the latest especially from that omnibus spending bill Rand paul has a list i have the short list for you because we still have to dig into it so that'll be next hour of the program your call's welcome, too. Meantime, here in the state of Wyoming, Democrat Party is trying to make some kind of a strategy because this past couple of election cycles in the state of Wyoming, they've just done horrible trigger warning. Warning. This show contains reference to guns, liberty, limited government, low taxation, the cult of climate change, free thinking, cigar smoking, short people, rubber chickens, Karen's bureaucracy, liberal buzzwords, tour runs, traffic, toilets, terrible jokes, and more. No apologies will be issued. Guest callers may express any opinion they want without fear of being canceled. Unless you're a loudmouth jerk like Dave, then Glenn will hang up on you. Strap in, hold on to your coffee. And feel free to participate. This disclaimer does not refer to every person named Dave. Just one particular Dave from San Francisco. We know a lot of Daves. They call this show all the time, and they're great people. So don't call this program and complain that we use your name. That would be a real Dave move, Dave. Okay, so this is a story that was put out by Wildfile, and it headlines, Desperate Democrats hope they've reached rock bottom in Wyoming. The minority party once held power along the state's Southern Rail Corridor. But see, that's back when Democrats were not like the Democrat socialists that we have now. It was a completely different kind of Democrat back then. These days, however, state House representatives has dwindled 
to just two counties and 7% of the total state. So when you take a look at Democrat offices around the state, about 7% of office holders are Democrats. And even then, most of those are in like Teton County, Laramie, most of the rest of the state. No. All right, so the story says, well, it talks about uh, from Rock Springs, the tactic was to try to find, let's say, the sunny side, raise some money for the Democrat Party within the Democrat Party, find out what they're going to do next. Okay. So the story says similar big spending, little return dynamics are playing out statewide, where the Democrat Party in Wyoming, this past election, did spend a lot of money. Didn't do them any good. So the party has expanded its infrastructure, the story says. Democrat National Committee has supported the state's party both through its rural council and red state fund, the latter of which provided about $15,000 a month, according to them, the overall Wyoming Democrat Party now spends about 300000 to 400000 somewhere around there, annually to employ a staff of six and do everything they want to do. Now, that means the Wyoming Democrat Party, as a professional statewide organization, is considerably larger and financially strapped more so than, one, than the uh, financially strapped Wyoming Republican Party, which only supports a single full-time employee. All right, so think and think about this from other states' point of view. If you were in some major states, you know, California, New York, places like that, they would just laugh hysterically. What do you mean the Democrat Party only employs six people? Yeah, well, the Republican Party in the state of Wyoming employs one. That's it for the entire state. All right. If we don't have an organization, the leader of the party said we're going to do a lot worse than we already have, right? So judging by the results of two races for federal office, Democrat Lynette Grable's 2022 tilt against Harriet Hegeman, well, she was just clobbered. There were nearly 46,000 registered Democrat voters statewide, not quite a quarter of what the Republican has on the rolls. And even then, not all those Democrats voted for the Democrat nominee. Yet only of the state's 23 counties, Albany and Teton, have any Democrat representation in the Wyoming legislature. Republican supermajority, it talks about that next. Now, let me go just for a moment. And this is where the gentleman that they're interviewing here says, the Democrats are probably right at rock bottom right about now. So he sees nowhere to go but up. Okay. And I've offered this before as just a piece of advice to the Democrat Party here in the state of Wyoming. Quit looking at people like Bernie Sanders and Ocasio-Cortez as your heroes. Okay, it, it quit supporting this current president. He's an idiot. He always has been a liar, a fool, and an idiot. I know that anybody who wants to run who is a true Democrat can run on the Democrat ticket for whatever office in the state of Wyoming. You can, that's fine if that's the way they want to do that. But try to select people who can actually win. I always like to remind the Democrat Party, you had Governor Friedenthal. And I, I believe he served two terms. And he was pretty good. But even he flat out said, 
I, that he just could not relate to the rest of the Wyoming Democrat Party. He just didn't find a way to relate to them. Okay. So the Democrats could actually pick winning candidates in the state of Wyoming. But what you're, the people that are running for office are just extreme. And so there's absolutely no way people in Wyoming are going to vote for this. You actually have to find people who make sense, who are not outrageous nutballs, okay? Do not pick your Marav Ben David type, to name one. Yeah, uh, there's some other people I can name as well who have temporarily held office in the state of Wyoming, but you get the idea. There are certain people that just should not be running because Democrats, they're making you look bad. And remove yourself from the federal Democrat Party. Again, take a look at what the Democrats are currently doing in Congress. All right, you don't want to be associated with them in the state of Wyoming. You need to be a different kind of Democrat if you're going to win in a state right now, a very conservative state. You're going too far to the left, too extreme. So you're not going to win under this strategy. Be more of the Democrats of the 1950s. Be more of those people, not the Democrats of today, which are full-blown, nutball, woke, socialist. You know, n No, it's not going to sell here. Well, okay, uh, some call Frank, and I think it's Prevedel, is how you pronounce his name, 90-year-old, former 14-year-old veteran Wyoming Senate and godfather of Sweetwater County Democrats. Prior to the 1940s, Sweetwater County was dominated by Republicans, he said. But then a substantial period of the Democrat Party aligned with uh, union tilted power for a time. Democrats are now in the same fix that the Republicans were the whole time I was active, he said. Well, again... The, you have a a pretty good problem here. Um, you could sell. Wait. Meanwhile, and I, and I like this. Recall that Democrats' decline was slow, then hit a steep slope in the two thousands. You couldn't sell Hillary Clinton here at all. Well, here this is where I say Democrats. Why would you want to sell Hillary Clinton? That's who you're bringing up. That's who. That or Bernie Sanders. Try again. And then it was um, worse with Obama just being one of those most – Oh, and, and this is where – this is a Democrat in Wyoming talking. We didn't like Obama. Well, it's just because we're one of those redneck, proudly racist states. You know, No, that has nothing to do with it. Not liking Obama had nothing to do with his race. Sweetwater County officials tilted red in that case. Again, not liking Obama had to do with his policies – but there again, that's very typical that what you see with Democrats anywhere. Now, if you don't like someone like Obama, it's obviously because you're racist, right? There can't be any other reason. How about you sit down and listen to what we have to say? As long as the Democrats keep pushing with people, again, like your Obamas, like your Hillary Clintons, like your Ocasio-Cortez, like your Bernie Sanders types, and you offer people like that within the state of Wyoming to run within the state of Wyoming, you're not getting anywhere. It's not a matter of how much money you spend or how much advertising you run. It's the kind of people that you run. Morning, Turk. 7.16 is the time. Wake up, Wyoming.
Start the morning. News, weather, and a pocket full of opinions. Wake up, Wyoming, with Glenn Woods on K2 Radio. Time 722. It's Wake Up Wyoming. So if you're just joining me, there's a article, Wild File, that's going through the strategy of the Democrat Party, which has six employees full-time, and they spend several hundred thousand dollars a year trying to find a way to win in Wyoming, and they keep doing worse every single year. And what they haven't seemed to figure out is that the National Democrat Party is just poison to them, and they've been reacting. They actually tried to sell Hillary Clinton. <sighs> Please, I, you cannot come here with, again, a Bernie Sanders type or Ocasio-Cortez. How about people that are actually intelligent instead of the nutballs you've been bringing forth? Well, okay. As the Democrat Party in Wyoming has sunk to, knee, to new lows here, where is your Governor Friedenthal, Democrats? You start running more people like that, you might actually do well. But the kind of people that end up – anybody can run as long as they're a Democrat in your party. But you need to be much more selective. Sarah Burlingame, please. Marah Ben-David, come on. That's what you're running? Well, no wonder you're going to lose. All right, so <clears throat> Representative Mike Yin, Democrat, Jackson, says his fellow Democrats ought to tout themselves as the party that actually cares about the working class. Okay, that's the same old, same old line. Republicans, and you know, I'm not, I'm more of a libertarian kind of guy. So Republicans don't care about the working class? You're not going to be able to sell it that way. That's the same old party line. Try something different. By the way, the, the party that actually cares... The party that actually wants to shut down coal, gas, and oil, which are major industries in this state. Yeah. You want to fight the climate change beast and you want to go wind and solar. And how has that worked out for states like California, like countries like Germany? They actually want to crush industries in Wyoming, like ranching. Well, no, don't tell me you guys like ranching. I mean, you got all the methane that those cows produce, you know. So the Democrat Party actively engages in policies that would shut a state like Wyoming down. And yet you say that you care about the working people. Yin hopes. Oh, by the way, um, let's see. Uh, he, he pointed out legislation that gave... Corporate coal companies, $10 million annual tax break. That $10 million is never going to contribute to our communities. Spoken like a true Democrat who doesn't understand where private sector money actually goes. That's one of the reasons that, well, he can get elected in Jackson Hole, but nowhere else. Yin hopes the political winds shift There's a lot of dissatisfaction here with Wyoming's cynical nature, the story says. And he's been hoping for decades that we can become more like uh, Colorado, for example. Quote, many people are happy in Wyoming with the government they have. And then then I'm just wrong, he says. 
But I think there are a lot of people who realize that's uh, not the way uh, things should be in their communities. So, okay, they really have a hope for optimism that you might turn toward government. There's the next thing, which I think the Democrat Party in the state of Wyoming has been missing out on. The typical, not everybody, but the typical Wyomingite in the state of Wyoming does not want all sorts of government help. They want to be left alone. If they do need any help, they'll turn to their church, their civic group, community like that. But they prefer to have smaller government because, well, then much like I think, uh, government is the problem, not the solution to the problem. And so the, if a company makes $10 million profit, unlike Mr. Yen, the Democrat from Teton County, well, that money can be given to the government to help people. How about we allow the companies to keep it because that helps people even more. Stay out of the business sector, government. But these are the same. By the way, this is the same Democrat Party that wants a state income tax. And then they wonder why they can't win here. So it's a it's a good long article from the um, from Wildfile that you can take a look at. If you go to Wildfile, there's a lot more to it than I just read here. But what I find as I read through it is the Democrats in the state of Wyoming, despite all of the organizing that they try to do have not yet figured out why most people in Wyoming live here, think the way they do. They have no idea why people here think the way that they do think. They're still thinking like big city Democrats. And so they want that bigger government. They want Medicaid expansion etc., etc., more government programs, more money spent on schools, more money spent on everything, rather than looking for free market solutions, rather than being very suspicious of government intervention, not just in our schools but in our business life. They want to shut down entire industries that make Wyoming and power the country for that matter, but they work to shut those industries down. And yet they wonder why they can't seem to win anything in the state of Wyoming. So, Democrats, you can keep spending money the way you've been spending. You can just continue to try to organize and spend money. But until you realize what actually makes the people of Wyoming tick, why they like living way out in the middle of nowhere, why they like their independence, why they don't want government involvement in their lives, you guys really aren't going to win. The Democrat Party of today... Now, there was a time that the Democrat Party dominated Wyoming. The Democrat Party today is much different than the Democrat Party from back then. Today's Democrat does not think anything like the Democrat from way back then. Until they figure that out, they're going to continue to lose in the state. All right, coming up on 7.30, local news coming your way right after local news. Update on your weather forecast. You and I get back into it, Triple Eight. 97 Woods, the phone number, Wake Up Wyoming. This is AM 1030 K2 Radio.
736 the time. Wake up, Wyoming. I guess I just got done going through an article, which I didn't even read all of it to you, but it's from Wildfile. Democrats trying to find some way. Spending a bunch of money didn't help. Actually get some traction in the state of Wyoming, and they lost a lot this past election. There was, in the Cheyenne area, a lady who was running for one of your House of Representative seats, I believe, in Cheyenne. And I remember she had put up a TikTok video where she points to some words as she's smiling, you know, that says, hey, Democrats can flip Wyoming. No, and just the opposite of that happened. But again, I think they don't understand the way most people in the state of Wyoming view government. Now serving number 4,367. That's number 4,367. How may I help you? I'd like to return my government. Sorry. For a full refund, please. Okay, what seems to be the problem? Well, this was supposed to be easier to access. But it is, isn't it? I have no idea how it even works, and it doesn't, doesn't what? work at all. But everybody in the nation has it and is using it. Well, they have it. That part you got right. Well, I'm sure we can get it working for you. I doubt it. What else? It's supposed to be cheaper. But when I had all of this through the private sector, it cost me less. How much less? Imagine you're paying for a Tesla, but you're driving a Model I see. Plus the insurance and the extended warranty. Right. But the insurance has a copay twice the price of the car, and you still have to pay for all the parts under warranty. Really? Plus labor. Well, okay, but. Now let's look at the purchase agreement, which says you'll never actually own the car. And have you read the fine print? You read the fine print? I tried. I even hired a lawyer to help me understand and it. Don't understand it. I never met anyone who tried to read the fine print. It's like the terms of service on your social media account. I mean, who even tries? They just click X. Except, well, it's just that... Well, even the politicians who passed this never read it. So I bet they never read what is added to it after they pass it, which is the next problem. You people keep changing the terms. You don't even get rid of the old terms when you add new terms. I bet you don't even know how this works. No one does. Then why am I paying for all of this? It's all there to improve your life, sir. <laughs> really? So you want to return your government. For a full refund. I'll just take my freedom and liberty back. That's a lot of responsibility. I'll take my chances. Well, Okay, I'll need your address, list of assets, job history, 10 forms of ID. We'll have to do a full audit of your finances and personal business. And tax returns for the past 20 years. List of all your friends, family, and social media connections, and your browser history. I always delete my browser history. That's what you're supposed to think. And what do I get if I give you all that? Do I get my life back? <laughs> you really don't care, do you? We're the government, sir. We don't need to care. By the way, I just thought while I was listening to that, this is... Uh, winter time, obviously. It's been very cold out there. For those people who want to put an end to coal, gas, and oil, I came up with the perfect invention so you can keep yourself warm in winter time. Uh, Miss Mary, I bought you a couple of pair of those as your Christmas present. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you the totally green energy. The shuffle charger. Look at all that winter static electricity going to waste. Wouldn't it be great if we could capture it? Well, forget those windmills that freeze over in the winter. And don't even bother with solar panels that get covered up with ice and snow. This winter, charge your house with static electricity. New from Perpetual Energy Systems, it's the Shuffle Charger. Our static starter kit comes with extra fuzzy wool socks and a battery belt that you can charge each time you shuffle and touch it. Cell phone dead? Shuffle charge it. Laptop dead? Shuffle charge it. Grandma dead? Get the whole family together and shuffle charger. Stop wasting those little zaps on your kids. 
your wife, your pet. Upload each zap into our utility belt. Then at the end of the day, just plug the batteries into the power closet. Save money this winter. Keep your house warm with static. Only $19.95. And yet, you can charge it. You think about it now. How much charging, how much shuffling would you have to do to charge your Tesla to be able to get to work in the morning? All right. And I'm still, on that note, I'm still waiting to see how Tesla drivers did in the state of Wyoming. When we were, it was in Natrona County, they hit minus 42. That was the official low, actually, for Casper. That broke a all-time record for Casper, Wyoming, as an official low. And might have been the lowest in the state at the time. I have to go back and check to see what those numbers actually were. But imagine trying to keep not just yourself warm and revive grandma, like the commercial said. But then if you have an all-electric car, can you run your electric car on something like that? Can you go driving down the road, shuffling your feet and feeding that directly into the batteries in order to keep your Tesla going during wintertime in Wyoming when temperatures get absolutely that low? All right. Well, I don't have any numbers on how well they did with those electric vehicles. But as soon as I get them, I'll let you know. Let me get Don Day on. We're going to talk weather for the rest of the year. It's Wake Up Wyoming. Have you missed your favorite? Faster than a new case of measles. Wake Up Wyoming with Glenn Woods. Live on AM 1030 and the Wake Up Wyoming mobile app. Seven forty-five is the time. Let's wake up, Wyoming. Off we go to talk to Don Day. Day weather, uh, Don. I am going to next time we get a big snow event. First off, put up a time lapse to show how fast the snow piles up, but then also a time lapse to show how fast it melts because there's a lot of water running down the roads right now. Yeah, this Pacific air that's come in after the Arctic wave is doing wonders to get some ice and snow off of streets and sidewalks. So uh, good to see. Glad we've got it. Uh, this is a natural response to an Arctic outbreak. You're always going to end up with a warm-up afterwards. So it's a nice break for everybody. Okay. Now, in the meantime, though, we head more toward our east, and they're still dealing with a lot of lake effects. No, they're not done with this. They're not done. In fact, it snowed in Atlanta this morning. Oh, you want to okay. drive around Atlanta this morning? Ha! <laughs> yeah. Yeah, good yeah. luck with that. So, yeah. yeah, no, temperature's still very cold over the central and eastern parts of the United States. But this big push of air off the Pacific is very impressive. Uh, we are right now looking at radar in California. It's just solid green over most of California right now. Okay. They're getting big rain, big snow in the mountains. And there's just a line of systems off the West Coast that are going to come in about every two days or so and come across the Rockies and the High Plains. What this means for Wyoming is fluctuating kind of up and down temperatures, periods of wind, periods of heavy mountain snow. And there's going to be occasionally, Glenn, some snow showers reaching the plains as well. We're cut off from the Arctic, so we don't need to worry about an Arctic shot coming in. But this Pacific pattern is going to keep things kind of busy. Okay. Now, for those people that are in California and those other you know far west states right now, is this going to make up for some of the water deficit they've been having in their reservoirs? Absolutely. Good. Yeah. Yeah. Th this next two weeks is going to do wonders. And this is actually the time of year, late December, but especially into January, which this is the California rainy season. You know, this is when they're supposed to start getting these storms. Uh, the snowpack is well above average in the Sierra Nevada. It's going to get a huge boost out of this pattern. Uh, so certainly if you were to track 
this winter wet season in California compared to the last two, this one's way ahead. So it is going to put a dent in the drought. There. Okay. So it sounds like to me what we'll be getting over the next few days is maybe not even just a chance of the occasional snowfall, but some areas get some rain. Well, yeah, I, if if we do, it won't last very long. Okay. Um, right. and, and the thing about this pattern is this is a pattern that's going to favor the mountains the most and the western side of the state the most because as these pacific waves come through every time they hit a major mountain range they get beat up and what ends up happening is by the time these systems get east of the divide there's not a lot left to them so for the for the plains of wyoming i do expect some weather but the biggest impacts at least here between now and saturday will be in the mountains and areas west of the divide okay but there will be the occasional snow shower could it start as a rain shower yeah but not okay. for very long so how uh, long is this pattern go since you said there's one thing after the next it, it's going well into next week okay uh, you know uh, and, and there's a system new year's day sunday into monday that may be a bit stronger that we're keeping an eye on all right, Don, thank you. Don Day from Dayweather. Well, there you go with some – it needed, especially uh, when we're looking at the western states like California, Washington State, and so on, that they do have one system after the next making up for all of that deficit that they've had in water. The reservoirs are making up for lost time right about now. Off to the icebox we go where Frank Gambino is waiting by. Okay, Frank um, – for those people, I, I forget what you said. You put up a Christmas tree, a full-size one? Yeah, and um, it's yeah. All, up all year round. Okay. Oh, yeah. I, I, don't, right. I don't take yeah. it down. Yeah. The the one that's outside. No, no. Well, no, the one that's inside. Oh, the one. Okay. Um, the headline. <clears throat> this is going to freak some people out, and they're going to take their tree outside right now and burn it. Your Christmas tree could be infested with thousands of baby spiders. Oh, I'm sure it is. Yeah. Okay. Mine isn't because it's artificial. Unless, well, was, unless the baby spiders were artificial. What, that, now, that's very possible. These days, who knows? My sister and I were driving across central Florida from you know, the center of the state over to the east side of the state. Early morning, and I'm looking across these fields, and I never realized how many spiders, because you can see in the morning dew, there are webs all over the place. Yeah. There's no place to step where there isn't a spider. Okay, you, so you step on them. Yeah. Okay. So they lay eggs in your tree during the fall months, just before harvest time for Christmas. However, when you bring them into the nice, warm, cozy home, that means it's time to hatch. And they go for the wreaths and the garland, too. So a lot of the plants that we bring into our homes are packed with little baby spiders. Okay, so is this the alarm to... Throw no. out the tree and the wreath. And I know some people will freak out and do that. I've noticed that if there's a spider or two around the house, or even a bunch, there's less other bugs. Yeah, true. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There's a benefit to everything. There is a benefit to that. So I usually, if I see a spider in my house, I don't rush over and kill the thing, unless it looks like it has murders in its multiple eyes. Then maybe. Like if it has an attitude. But if he's just running around killing other bugs, well, that's less bug spray I have to buy. Exactly. Right? Okay. So look at the bright side. Nick, give him a name. We're good. We're good.
Big news in the National Football League is the Denver Broncos fired their first-year head coach, Nathaniel Hackett, after that 51-14 loss to the Los Angeles Rams on Sunday. The Broncos have been a train wreck this season with a record of 4-11, and thanks to a woeful offense and a woeful performance from quarterback Russell Wilson. The Broncos gave up two first-round draft picks for him and signed him for a $245 million contract. He threw three interceptions in that game versus the Rams, and the Broncos are averaging 15 points a game, which is the worst in the NFL. Incomplete. Hackenfer is under the deal was in way over his head with poor in-game decisions and general game management. Jerry Rossberg will be the interim coach for the rest of the season. The Broncos also fired offensive line coach Butch Berry and special teams coach Dwayne Stooks. That game on Sunday was about as ugly as you could ever see. The Rams scored on eight of nine possessions. Bronco players were drawing at each other on the bench. Bronco linebacker Randy Gregory punched a Ram player after the game. Uh, Denver, by the way, will not make the playoffs for the seventh consecutive season. Also in the NFL from Saturday, the Buffalo Bills with former UW quarterback Josh Allen improved the 12-3 with a 35-13 road win over Chicago and some very cold temperatures. Allen was 15-26 of 26 for 172 yards with two touchdown passes and two interceptions. Cincinnati keeping pace in the AFC with a 22-18 win over New England. Casper Native and former UW guy Logan Wilson was in on nine tackles from his middle linebacker spot. Seven of those tackles solo, including a sack. In college football, the Wyoming Cowboys will play Ohio on Friday afternoon in the Arizona Bowl in Tucson. Cowboys come into that game with a record of 7-5 and, and Ohio is 9-4. That's a 2.30 start from Tucson on Friday. We'll have that for you on K2 Radio and Casper and KOWB and Larry. And the Wyoming Cowboy basketball team will start Mountain West Conference play tomorrow at Fresno State. Pokes for 5-7 and seven on the year, well below expectations. And Fresno comes in at 4-7. and seven. Hey, there's a chance for UW to steal one on the road here. That's a 9 p.m. start tomorrow on Wednesday night from Fresno. We'll have that for you on K2 Radio and Casper and KCGY in Laramie. That's it in sports. So, and then I got to ask you the same thing I was asking you when we got into uh, Christmas time here. So, are there... New Year football games. Absolutely. The New Year's Day in college football, the New Year's Day 6. Six bowl games. Then they have those playoff games after that. There's bowl games every day this week. Wyoming plays on Friday. So you're just going to be exhausted with games that you have to watch every single day. Well, have to watch every day. Okay. Wait, wait. I I missed something here. Um, UW is in what bowl game? They're in the Arizona Bowl. The Arizona Bowl. Okay. When does that play? That's Friday at 2.30. Friday, 2.30. Okay. So now we all have to wait to Friday, 2.30 to find out. The, what do you think? Oh, I, I'm hoping Wyoming can win that. Wow. Okay. You know, when the complexions are changing, players have opted out, they're not playing, blah, blah, right. blah. You know what? But I think a lot of Wyoming people will go to Tucson to, uh, you know. To watch that anyway. Well, yeah, to drink yeah. beer and get sure. some sunshine and, it's, and it's stuff warm. like that. Yeah. 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 All right. Yeah. Thank yeah. you, Frank. Coming up on some local business, we have to take care of. Then we're going to go through right after news time and weather forecasts. So there's that $2 trillion spending bill that Congress just passed. A little bit of what's in it came from Senator Rand Paul. We don't know all of what's in it, but a little bit. Explain to you next. Wake up, Wyoming. I never write. Time is 806. It's Wake Up Wyoming. My name is Len Woods. Thanks for joining me. Hold off on open phones for just a bit. I'm going to stick to a topic for a few more minutes. 
because I wanted to get this out of the way since we just got done. We, your government just got done passing a massive spending bill again that they never read. So we're going to take a look at it. Warning, this show contains reference to guns, liberty, limited government, low taxation, the cult of climate change, free thinking, cigar smoking, short people, rubber chickens, Karen's bureaucracy, liberal buzzwords, tour runs, traffic, toilets, terrible jokes, and more. No apologies will be issued. Guest callers may express any opinion they want without fear of being canceled. Unless you're a loudmouth jerk like Dave, then Glenn will hang up on you. Strap in, hold on to your coffee, and feel free to participate. This disclaimer does not refer to every person named Dave. Just one particular Dave from San Francisco. We know a lot of Daves. They call this show all the time, and they're great people. So don't call this program and complain that we use your name. That would be a real Dave move, Dave. So spending. This is, once again, more government had a massive bill plopped in front of it. Just stuffed with all sorts of pet projects. And nobody read it. If some more Republicans, we just... In order to pass something like that on the Senate side, they need 60 votes. And yet some Republicans even voted for it as well. So the thing passed. Ladies and gentlemen, Senator Rand Paul. You would think that a looming recession, spurred largely by exorbitant government spending, would give this Congress pause. But instead of taking a minute to consider what a responsible federal government budget looks like, we are instead placed behind the barrel of a gun, forcing us to choose between letting government expire or blindly passing a $1.7 trillion spending package that not only does not balance, but in fact spends over 10% more than last year. How does Congress spend taxpayers' money? Well, here's just a few examples of how your government currently spends money. We found that they spent last year $2.3 million injecting beagles with cocaine. It seems that they were curious, their researchers were curious, despite the pain they inflicted on these dogs, they were curious to know if cocaine causes adverse effects. Guess what? Read the newspaper. Read the news. Look at the addicts across our country. You think you need to inject beagles with cocaine to know that cocaine's a bad deal. $700,000 was spent to study how male parrots attract their mate. Really? We've got people who go hungry in our country. we got people that are trying to get out from behind poverty, and we're spending $700,000 studying how male parrots attract a female. We spent $187,000 to study whether or not dogs help kids cope. Of course they do. Ask any pet owner. Any pet owner could have told you, and we would have saved the taxpayer $187,000. We spent $118,000 to study if a metal replica, a robot of Marvel Comics' evil warlord Thanos could snap his fingers. $118,000, really? They apparently hired some dude to wear metal gloves and then try to snap his fingers. You know what? They found out that it's impossible to make a snapping sound with metal fingers. So robots of the world, be warned, it's hard to snap your fingers. These things are really important for us to pass. That's why, you know, well, you got to know the Thanos thing. And dogs need cocaine, don't you know? This is what your government spends money on, which is why I call them incompetent boobs that, really should have a lot of authority, a lot of power just taken from them so they can't spend like this. And again, I'm blaming both parties. Doesn't matter 
who's in charge? So Rand Paul always every year releases, instead of Christmas, his Festivus. If you know that one from Festivus, of course, from the Seinfeld uh, television series. So this is, he says in his tweet, will be the 10th year in a row that I've celebrated Festivus. By celebrated, I mean have a little fun at the expense of Washington. If we don't laugh, we will cry. And then he just starts going through. Let's see. Some of these I've already named, but let's go through. Uh, yeah, there's a 2.3 million injecting puppies with cocaine. Okay. 28 million on camouflage that you can see. Yeah. Can see camouflage. It's supposed to be camouflage so people can hide. You know, when you hunt and stuff like that, but I can clearly see it. Okay. Uh, spends $200,000 on Starbucks espresso machines. Well, your government needs espresso in order to function. See, maintaining 77,000 empty federal buildings at a cost of about $1,700,000,000 a year. Yeah, 77,000 empty federal buildings are maintained at a cost of about $1,700,000,000 a year. Helping illegal immigrants avoid deportation. Uh, it's about $168 million a year. Overpaying government contractors for terminated contracts. About $69 million a year. Using COVID relief funds to construct an 11,000 square foot spa. That's about $140 million. Studying, yeah, again, well, there's the parrot one that he told you about. And a radio campaign telling drivers to stop at railroad crossings, $200,000. Let's see. There's the Expresso one. Oh, $2.1 million on encouraging Ethiopians to wear shoes. No, we're really, we're spending $2.1 million to encourage Ethiopians to wear shoes. Let's see. Uh, Broward County, Florida spent about $140 million dollars on COVID-19 relief funds to construct a for a luxury hotel spa. Wisconsin School District spent $1.6 million on COVID relief money for turf for their football field. COVID relief money went to that. More than $31.5 million in COVID relief funds were used to purchase luxury cars. SAS spending of $675,000 to compare ant and human brain development. This is, list just goes on and on and on and on. So you get the idea. And that's not all part of the big omnibus bill that they just spent, you know, but some of it. But also a lot of what we spent last year and the year before with all of that COVID relief money going out. And there's no end in sight. They just continue to come up with anything they can think of and just spend, spend, spend the money, no matter how stupid it is, with no end in sight from either party. None. 
With all economic factors indicating the U.S. is heading for a prolonged recession, some experts are suggesting that the government should stop dumping all of our money into an enormous hole. Is it time to close the national money hole? That kind of talk is alarmist and irresponsible. America needs the money hole. Right. Driving truckloads of money out into the New Mexico desert and dumping it into a massive pit is one of America's greatest traditions. It's frankly, it's a national yes. now, treasure. Look, no reasonable yes. person is advocating that we are going to stop destroying money. But the American people earn that money. They have the right to decide how it should be destroyed. Okay, well, so I you are in favor of personal money yes, holes. Yes, people should be able to dump money into a hole in their backyard or flush it down the toilet. Let the free market decide the most efficient way of destroying My money. My father worked two jobs so he'd have money to put in the money hole. Oh. And he never complained. You can't depend on private money holes to destroy that money. Duncan's right. I mean, some of this money could blow away. Yes. Some of it may not be correctly buried. Burns I mean, there's too to many variables. That's why the this. government pours gasoline into the money hole and lights it on fire to make sure all the money is destroyed. I it's love just, the money it, fire. It's just like they say, you have to throw money in a hole and set it on fire to make money. Okay, but find the cheapest way to destroy that money, like shredding it up and feeding it to hogs. Tell that to the digger who's worked the graveyard shift for 20 years. Digging the hole is all he knows. The sheer number of shovelers that it takes to maintain but that if hole. if we're talking about it, closing it, holes, I mean, what about the soldier hole? How about, how about the energy hole? I mean, I can't believe that closing the money hole is even on the table. Don't close Why are the you money pushing hole? this pro-hole agenda? Is the money hole lobby paying you? I resent that accusation. I do not take money from special interests. And if I did, I would throw it right in the hole because I am a patriot. If you love America, you throw money in its hole. If I manage to make it through this week, I would like my straight jacket to be black leather and my helmet to sparkle. Thank you. Paper or the five o'clock news. You need wake up Wyoming with Glenn Woods. Mornings on K2 Radio. Twenty-one's the time to wake up, Wyoming. My name is Glenn Woods. Thanks for joining me. So, just in 2022, this is not including the omnibus spending bill that just made its way through Congress. Let's take a look at some of the government porks. This is something that Congress lamented that oh, we're getting rid of special earmarks and so on because this kind of government pork is how you make deals. You want to make a deal in Congress? Why? You got to go ahead and offer something. Well, well, you'll vote for my bill if I give you this much money for this, if I appropriate money to you for this. And you wonder why members of Congress end up leaving office so stinking rich. Well, a lot of this goes to line their own pockets. Okay, so let's see. The Prince of Pork Award, Senator Rich Shelby, Republican, Alabama. Remember, I'm picking on both parties on this. 16 earmarks. Costing, let's see, about $647,936,000. And that's the highest amount received. He, uh, there was one of the legislator came in second place. John Bozeman, Republican, Arkansas, $650,000 for swine management. Let's see. Senator Patrick Leahy, Democrat, Vermont, and Ray Lejeune, Democrat, New Mexico. Jack Reed, Democrat, Rhode Island. They got money earmarked for local theaters. Again, it's a private sector thing, but, you know, you want local theaters running, so you go ahead and send in earmarked money for that. 
Uh, Senator Jane, Jane Sheehan, Democrat New Hampshire, for preservation of a local ski resort. Well, a ski resort's about to go out of business, so you declare it a historic site, send them a couple of million dollars. There you go. Let's see. A singing tour note for taxpayers, Senator Roy Blunt, Republican Missouri. And that's about a million dollars for a local symphony orchestra. Now, you might look at that and go, well, yeah, but it's a local symphony. Well, then let the local symphony orchestra make it on its own. Like any anybody else that does a concert. Not with government money, because they can actually bring an audience in. Let's see. Representative Dina Titus, Democrat, Nevada. $2 million for a National Atomic Testing Museum in Las Vegas. See, I'm, I don't have a problem with museums. I go to museums all the time. Whenever I'm visiting an area, I like to go by the local museums. But let the local museum run as a local business on money that was raised locally. Not because somebody in government decided. Remember, oh, North Carolina. This is probably about maybe 15 or 20 years ago, something like this. North Carolina, several million dollars went to a teapot museum, a teapot museum. And it costs about 150 or so thousand dollars a year to continue to run it every single year. And they hardly ever get any visitors. Representative Brian Mass, Republican Florida, $350 million, South Florida's ecosystem member of Congress. Okay. When I get into it, basically it's an earmark project. And let's see, taxpayer funded award, bike pass, that's another one. Oh, oh, oh. Representative Mike Simpson, Republican Idaho, $4,200,000 for U.S. Sheep Experiment Station. I have no idea, and I'm afraid to ask. Let's see. Taking Taxpayers Award, Modernization, Upgrade. Um, oh, okay. This has to do with military spending that the military said it didn't want. Susan Collins, Republican Maine, and Angus King, an independent of Maine, and Representative, there's a whole bunch of people involved, Democrats and Republicans, for a maritime, let's see, oh, okay, um, $569,000 to remove derelict lobster pots from a maritime aquarium. Hmm, okay. Oh, this is a good one. This is a good one. Here is Senator Bob Casey, Democrat, Pennsylvania, one million five hundred thousand for the Please Touch Museum. Yeah, well, you get to touch stuff. You're supposed to. It's a museum where you're allowed to touch everything. Let's see, broadband awards, a lot of earmark marks for broadband. And I do talk to people all the time here in the state of Wyoming that want. Well, we got to bring fiber optic to Wyoming. All that. That's great. Go ahead and do that with private sector money, not with government money. Let's see. Senator Alex Padelia, I think is how you pronounce Democrat, California, pedestrian safety on the Iron Horse Trail Bridge, and Cindy Hyde-Smith, Republican Mississippi, for the Ulysses S. Grant Presidential Library, Mississippi. And then the Revolutionary Pork Award, Chuck Schumer, Fort... Uh, there's a Ford out there. I can't pronounce his name. Association. That's just pork spending. That's not some of the idiotic, useless waste that I was talking to you about earlier today. That's just some of the pork spending that they do. 
what Rand Paul was going through that I played for you at the beginning of the hour, that was really outrageous. And he he just basically touched on the basics of it. All right. Story from Hot Air Blog. Since the federal government, the story says, with the consent of both parties, passed just another $1.7 trillion of imaginary money that they set on fire, generally quiet period between Christmas and New Year might be a good time, the story says, to take a look at what exactly they've been doing with this money. Okay, so, like a consumer grappling with a massive credit card balance, the federal government is paying more for just the interest on the national debt. Government projections show those interest costs are tripling from about $399 billion last year to $1.19 trillion in, by 2032. So think about this. If we keep going the way we're going, by 2032, just the interest on the debt will be about $1.19 trillion. Borrowing most likely will be increased just to pay for the higher interest expense. So now, borrowing to pay the interest. So I want you to imagine you have a MasterCard and you owe more than you can pay back. In fact, you can't even cup you can't even keep up with the interest payments. So you borrow from your Visa to pay the interest on your Mastercard. And you continue to spend. You never seem to figure out how to slow it down, how to stop. You just continue to spend. So eventually, you're using your Discover card to help pay off your Visa and MasterCard. That's where your federal government is at right now. The story says, and on it goes, a vicious cycle of promise-bruising fights over debt, and both parties claiming that the other party is responsible for the debt, yet both parties have racked up this bill over the decades. Currently, the country's GDP is settling about $32 trillion. Now, how much do we owe? Almost $32 trillion. Yeah. So we're currently making about as much as the government is spending. And the government should be should not be spending anywhere close to what we're making. Coming up on 8.30, look at local news coming your way. We'll do open phones starting in the next segment. Although I got some more on this topic, but we'll do some open phones starting then. 888-97-WOODS, 888-97-W-O-O-D-S. Talk about what I'm talking about. Change the subject. Fine by me. Let's wake up, Wyoming. This is Wake Up Wyoming with Glenn Woods on K2 Radio. Join in at 888-97-WOODS. Eight thirty six the time. Wake up, Wyoming. All right, triple eight ninety seven Woods. The phone number that's eight 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 ninety seven W O O D S. What I was doing was going through Rand Paul's yearly debt report. Just pork what I started the hour with. Went through some more after that. And here again, both parties, they never seemed to figure it out. And remember the president said, well, I cut the deficit by, forget if he said debt or deficit, but I cut it by a trillion dollars. Like, no, you didn't. No, you didn't. That was a flat out lie. 
And then as was just pointed out, our government has, in this past year, spent even 10% more. Even in the omnibus bill that they just passed, that's 10% more. So the spending just keeps going up no matter who's in charge, and they never seem to get it. What can I do for you today? I would like to raise my debt limit. Excuse me? My debt limit, I'd like to raise it. Because the last time I checked, Mr. Smith, you were in serious debt. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty bad. Figure we should raise that limit. Yeah, it says here you're $140,270 in debt. Right, so I figured we should raise that limit to about 170000 I just bought a 60-inch flat screen. Have you ever been to Australia? No. Leaving tomorrow, mate. You should check it out. Great parasailing. Do you have some new income that I don't know about? Uh, no, still making about twenty-one grand a year. Okay, and are you still spending $38,000 a year? That's what it says. So you're adding $17,000 a year in debt. Wow, is that what it comes out to? Debt limit going up. Ding! Have you made any cuts in your expenses? Oh, of course, yes. Uh, my wife and I cut $380 out of our annual budget. It's $380. It's brutal. Huh. Okay, so you're, you're, you're making, you're adding, okay, so you're adding $17,000 a year to your $140,000 in debt, and you cut $380. Well, you say it like that, it makes it not sound like a lot. Hey, maybe you should think about generating some new income. Maybe a new job. Maybe ask for that raise. Oh, asking for that raise. That's not, I'm not comfortable. That's an awkward conversation. I, I, I've always been able to raise my debt limit. Yeah, well, th this is a little different. Well, how? We're in the middle of a recession, and your credit rating will plummet if you continue to go along this path. It, I almost had it. Um, you, you don't see how bad this is, do you? I cut my budget by $380. Are you kidding? I'm sorry, Mr. Smith. We can't help you. You just a little like I'm, I'm very sorry. My wife is going to lose it. Been there. I mean, $380 is bad enough. I mean, this is going to end our marriage. We stopped talking to each other for a month. The baby was totally freaked out. Wait. You have kids? Yeah. Yeah. What they end up doing here is you see the Sign kid, there. this little all toddler right. with a blessing. crayon, huh. signing got for future debt. This, right? Absolutely. Which is exactly set? what your set. federal right. government is doing because we don't have the money anymore to do this. We don't have the money. So instead, what your federal government is doing is passing this on to future generations. And they do it as if, oh, don't worry, they got this. They talk about the goods, they talk about the future, but they really don't seem to care, do they? As they dump all of this massive debt on future generations as if, well, no, they can handle this. Well, don't worry about it. Look, you, I don't see what the problem is. You and I are not going to be here to watch the economy crash underneath them. We're not. So um, borrow as much as you want, dump it on future generations and let them deal with it, and then they can just be mad at us. It, it won't matter because we'll be dead. So what are they really going to do, honestly, to us? All right, Let's see where we're at now. The current debt clock, and this has not been updated. 
The current debt clock is at 31 trillion, with a T, 460 billion. And then the numbers after that are ticking away so fast I can't see them. And by the time I said the number, it'd be too late because we're way past it. Now, add to that unfunded liabilities, trade deficits, et cetera, et cetera. And see, our total ends up at $173 trillion, $535 billion, 100, And again, after that, I can't. The numbers are ticking away too fast. And here comes your government deciding, well, we're just going to go ahead. This omnibus spending bill, there really is no budget for this. This omnibus bill, which is supposed to fund the federal government through, you know, most of this next coming year here. This omnibus bill is not a budget. They just grabbed as much as they could, just whatever they could think of, and they just jammed it into this spending bill, and they just went ahead and passed the thing. Now, again, 60 votes in the Senate are needed to pass this, 60%. So how did they get it passed? Well, enough Republicans voted for it. There were quite a few who didn't, but enough Republicans voted for it that, well— now we have this massive spending bill. So two choices, as Rand Paul said in the audio that I played from him. Two choices were given to us. Government shuts down, and they don't know what to do. What do we do if the government shuts down? And it never really shuts down. Just a small percentage. A small percentage of government is temporarily shut down. Government never really totally shuts down. And they always say, but all but essential services. We could debate what is essential. But trust me, that's what government is supposed to be, all but essential, just essential services. So it was either go for a government shutdown or just pass some big fat omnibus bill way past deadline. They were supposed to have this done a long time ago. No real budget to it. No one sat down and said, okay, let's take a look at this spending budget and allocate money like you have to do if you have just so much money coming into your household. You have to prioritize things. This is why, and I'll pick a, a different number. Last time I said this, I said $2 trillion. I'll take $1 trillion. Here's what I would like to do. Now, the $1 trillion is fictional for sake of argument, okay? I'm going to give our federal government $1 trillion a year to spend. And that's all they're allowed to spend. That's it. Now, you're going to see them really freak out, but too bad. $1 trillion a year, and there are certain priorities that they have to spend a certain amount of money on. Just like you, you might have a mortgage or rent or something like that, but you have to think of your priorities before you can think of the funsy stuff you want to spend money on. And those priorities have to be dealt with first. That's how households make a real budget but not how your government makes a real budget. They just slam together as fast as they can and pass it as fast as they can. That way they can get a lot of hidden agenda stuff into the bill, and nobody knows that it's in there, but it is. And then it's passed without anybody reading it. To the Republicans who voted on this, you voted on it without, and I mean both the House and Senate, you voted on this without ever reading it. 
845, Wake Up Wyoming. Have you missed your... Woods is on the air. We're sorry, but we had a budget. Join the conversation at 888-97-WOODS. This is K2 Radio. 848 is the time. It's Wake Up Wyoming. Also, go to the icebox when Gambino's waiting by. So, Frank, I take you over the weekend to Cheyenne, Wyoming. I know that place. Yes. Very typical uh, middle of the night in Cheyenne, Wyoming. Okay. As a police officer heading down the road, although I'm supposed he's kind of tired and sipping on the coffee. Yeah, okay. And not quite believing his eyes as he sees a herd of cattle just meandering down Del Range. I saw that. Yes. They uh, they did a nice job. Yeah, they did. It's, it's kind of like job. over yeah. by the by the airport, kind of. Yeah, or, or in the back over there. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So that's something that is not too surprising in Wyoming. But well, it no, is... I, I think it's surprising how they got to a really heavily populated area. Yeah, how did I, they get unless that? I, unless far... I'm missing something, right? Where yeah. they where their home was. There's the question: How did they get that far into town? I mean, they they got to walk for a while to get that cl- that far into town where they were. For those who don't know, Del Range is the main drag in Cheyenne, and it's pretty much right up the middle of town. So I want to know how exactly they got there. Let me see. Uh, the story says there was a lot of stake as officers offered to steer, oh, God, <laughs> S-T-E-E-R, the uh, cattle and, uh, away from oncoming traffic. And the cows are are all black they're, they're cows. All, they're at all night. jaywalking. Number yeah, one. Oh my lord! Yeah, you can get tickets for each and every one of them. Nobody has their yeah. signal on. Nothing. Yeah. Um, let me see. Rancher. Oh my god! I wait. Who wrote this? Hang on a second. I got. Oh, Doug, you are in so much trouble. So Doug wrote the cows thought the escape was legendary. Oh. The rancher was not amused. Oh my oh. god. Doug, this is Doug Randall, our man in Cheyenne. Oh, oh I am going to give him so much trouble for this. Oh. After apparently one hour of wrangling, oh. yes, we are over the moon to oh. report that they were safely returned to the pasture. Doug, you've taken what could have been an interesting little story, and that's just Doug must have been bored this weekend. <laughs> well, it's on the cheesy side. <clears throat> yes. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I did, however, I one time was heading to a radio station, and there was a cow that was out there in the road, and I knew where it came from. Now, I was driving a Plymouth Sundance, uh, as in, you know, I'm thinking like Butch Cassidy and the Sundance. And, okay, I, okay. and I used that thing to herd the cow back to the hole in the fence. That was about a half mile up the road. Try herding a cow with a car. I think that's pretty darn good driving. Uh, yeah, I, I did it. All right. Big news from the National Football League is the Denver Broncos fired their first-year head coach, Nathaniel Hackett, after a 51-14 loss to the L.A. Rams on Sunday. Broncos have been just a train wreck this season with a record of 4-11, thanks in part to a woeful offense and a woeful offensive performance from quarterback Russell Wilson, a guy the Broncos gave up two first-round draft picks for and then signed him for a $240 million deal. Try that for value. Wilson threw in three interceptions in that game versus the Rams. The, the Broncos were averaging 15 points a game, which is the worst in the NFL. Incomplete. Hackett for his end of the deal. 
looked like he was above his head in every way, shape, and form. Poor in-game decisions. Poor general game management. Just just bad. Jerry Rosberg will be the interim head coach for the rest of the season. The Broncos also fired offensive line coach Butch Berry and special teams coach Dwayne Stooks. That game on Sunday was about as ugly as a performance you'll ever see. The Rams scored on eight of nine possessions. Bronco players were drawing at each other on the bench. Bronco linebacker Randy Gregory punched a Rams player after the game. And Denver, <laughs> they will not make the play for the seventh consecutive season. Also in the NFL from Saturday, the Buffalo Bills with former UW quarterback Josh Allen improved the 12-3 with a 35-13 row win over Chicago with some very cold temperatures. Allen was 15-26 of 26 for 172 yards with two touchdown passes and two interceptions. Cincinnati keeping pace in the AFC with a 22-18 win over the New England Patriots. Casper Native and former UW grad uh, and NC grad and Logan Wilson was in on nine tackles from his middle linebacker spot. Seven of those tackles were solo, including a sack. College football, the Wyoming Cowboys will play Ohio on Friday afternoon in the Arizona Bowl in Tucson. Cowboys coming into that game with a record of 7-5, and five, and Ohio is 9-4. and four. It's a 2.30 start from Tucson on Friday. We'll have that for you on K2 Radio in Casper and KOWB in Laramie. In the men's college basketball, the Wyoming Cowboys will start Bowden West Conference play tomorrow at Fresno State. Pokes are 5-7 and seven on the year, well below expectations in Fresno State at 4-7. and seven. So, hey, here's a chance for UW to steal one on the road. That's a 9 p.m. start tomorrow night from Fresno. We'll have that for you on K2 Radio in Casper and KCG. Why in Larry? That's okay. What was this you were telling me last hour about some of the UW players? What not being there? Well, what? some if, if you've entered the transfer portal, yeah. you're, not, you're done. You're not going to play in a bowl game. Okay. And 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 then there's other schools that your best players are saying, well. I'm not going to play in a bowl game either because I'm going to join the NFL draft. Right. And you, you, you're weighing the risk of like getting potentially hurt and you know losing yeah. your career or playing in a bowl game, right. which was the goal at the beginning of the season to take your team to a bowl game. But then do you and then play in the bowl game and help your team win the bowl game. Is it possible that a team can show up with not enough players? No, no, they'll have enough. Okay. You go, you go down to your second string guys, your third string okay. guys. It's a, it's a challenge. It's yeah. a challenge. Uh-huh. All right, thank you, Frank. Coming up on some local business that we have to take care of. We're going to roll into news time after that. National local update on the weather forecast. Open phones in the 9 o'clock hour. Triple eight ninety seven woods that's 888-97-W-O-O-D-S. Wake up, Wyoming. I never write. Time is 906. It's Wake Up Wyoming. My name is Glenn Woods. Thanks for joining me. Open phones. Triple A 97 Woods, the phone number. That's 888 97 WOODS. Now, yes, I was about to say last week, yesterday. Miss Mary and I had the day off because, well, day after Christmas, you know, we get the day off. Next Monday, we'll have the day off again. Yeah, two in a row. But that's because it's New Year's Day. So just so you know, programming note there. Trigger warning. Warning. This show contains reference to guns, liberty, limited government, low taxation, the cult of climate change, free thinking, cigar smoking, short people, rubber chickens, Karen's bureaucracy, liberal buzzwords, tour runs, traffic, toilets, terrible jokes, and more.
No apologies will be issued. Guest callers may express any opinion they want without fear of being canceled. Unless you're a loudmouth jerk like Dave, then Glenn will hang up on you. Strap in, hold on to your coffee, and feel free to participate. This disclaimer does not refer to every person named Dave. Just one particular Dave from San Francisco. We know a lot of Daves. They call this show all the time, and they're great people. So don't call this program and complain that we use your name. That would be a real Dave move, Dave. So McDonald's is experimenting in Texas with their first fully automated restaurant. Yeah. Hey, $15 an hour minimum wage. Yay. McDonald's has opened its first mostly automated U.S. restaurant in U.S. history, the story says. Fast food chain is testing out a concept where customers order food through an app or a kiosk, right? There's no direct contact with a human being. Now, there's part of me that goes, oh, thank God for that. Fort Worth, Texas is where they plan to do this. And then, well, there's just a bunch of, you know, machines in there that crank out the food. You Imagine all of the food is already set up in the machines. You just need to have the automation, you know, spit it out, put it in the bag, and so on. I can see how that would work, but once again, what happened to the employees? Oh, let's go ahead and crank up that minimum wage, and that'll really help. But there's not just that. It's the number of Americans who are not participating at all in the workforce, don't want to show up for work. And we've talked about why before. A big part of the reason why is, well, when you subsidize stay-at-home, a lot of people prefer to stay at home and work. So you're subsidizing people just staying at home. That's a big part of what we're doing right now. Went through all of that last week with you. So, okay, this is just the first step just to see how it works. I have noticed when I've gone to, on occasion, I'll swing by McDonald's. I still like their little breakfast sandwich, like the Egg McMuffin and so on, you know. And when I do that, I have noticed there's fewer people there, and there's a lot more that's automated, including the register. In fact, you, I can order on my app and either go in or just pull up and they walk it out to me. And they also have the big kiosk, which looks like a huge phone that I can walk over and touch, I want this, and then just go sit down at the table and somebody walks it out to me. And that just makes fewer employees there. But this is the first all-automated McDonald's, just to see how this works. If it does, I can see these things popping up all over the place. Some years ago, I wrote a bit for the American Automation Association. And it's one of those things that I thought, you know, it's not true now, but it probably will be in just a few years. And unfortunately, it is. Have you ever heard of the American Automation Association? Probably not. We're a company that produces high-quality automation systems, the kind that replace employees, thus saving corporations lots of money and increasing their personal profits. Now, no doubt, you've seen some of our inventions every day. The self-serve automated checkout at the grocery store, thus saving money on checkout clerks. The self-serve gas pump. That was us, too. No need for an attendant. The ATM machine at your local bank. Yep, that was us. And so many more gadgets that are behind the scenes that you may not even know about. Like the automation machine at this very radio station that eliminates the need for a full-time employee to man the board. On behalf of the American Automation Association, we would like to thank the Democrat Party for pushing a minimum wage increase up to $15 an hour. Each time the minimum wage is 
business increase, we at the AAA get more business from companies looking to get rid of their lower-wage employees and replace them with automation. A $15 an hour minimum wage increase would be a boom for our business. Also, thanks for heaping piles of rules and regulations on local companies as well, and taxes and Obamacare. Thanks to socialism, business at American Automation is booming. See, all those years ago when I wrote and produced that bit, you probably should have actually, even though it was just parody, satire, you probably should have taken my advice. I probably should have taken my own advice and invested in automation machines. I think there probably is still time to do that. You probably can. Okay. Now, at this point, oh, 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 hang on. Bill in Greeley, Colorado, on automation. Morning, Bill. Been out sick. <laughs> I just got a glimpse of this automated stuff, and I just thought of something, Glenn. Yeah. You know, you know it'll happen. It'll start automating, and the government will say, "Well, we can't take care of all these people at home, so we'll uh, talk. We'll just tax the automation." I'm uh, sure. Yeah, find some way to do that. Yeah. That's right. They're going to do it. You wait, Mark, my word, I'll probably be dead and gone, but they'll do it. Yeah. And they'll say, well, these people are all staying at home. We have some. We have to take care of them. Yeah. You don't want to do it. You want to automate, so therefore we'll have to tax the automation. At some point, though, they're going to start taxing the people who are staying at home. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they can't operate without taxes. The government is the biggest... Yeah. Leech that yes. there is in, in the is. world. The, the leech. I mean, I look at leeches in the ocean. I mean, in water, and I think there's the government right yeah. there. All right, you Bill. Know. You have a great New Year. Okay, you too. My sister in Lake Wales. So, who's cooking at McDonald's? The machines. Uh, now, think about it. <coughs> Pardon me. You think about it. If you go, let's say you're going to order a a Whopper, whatever. Is that McDonald's? I forget which restaurant does what. But okay, you're going to order a, a hamburger, double patty, some fries, and a soda. Well, the soda can be poured by automation. That's easy. Drop the fries into the fryer and lift them up and box them when they're cooked. A machine can do that. Let the patties fall into a, a conveyor belt cooker. Now, the only thing I'm trying to picture how would this work is assembling the burger afterwards. You'd have to have some clever automation to assemble a burger. But if you ever watch the television show, How It's Made, somebody can figure that out. I guarantee you, somebody's going to figure out how to make a machine. Well, okay. Let me, Sister dear, let me explain to you how these automation, automation machines work. Now, basically, the only new principle involved is that instead of power being generated by the relative motion of conductors and fluxes... It's produced by the modial interaction of magneto-reluctance. Magneto-reluctance. Write that down. Write it down. The original down. machine had a base plate of pre-famulated amulite pre surmounted by a malleable yes. logarithmic casing in such a way that the two spurving bearings were in a direct bearings. line with a panometric fam. The fam. The lineup consisted Whatever simply of six hydrocoptic marzal veins so fitted to the ambifacient lunar wane shaft that side fumbling was effectively prevented. <laughs> Gotta stop that. The main side winding was of the normal lotus-o deltoid type placed Deltoids. in panendermic semi-boloid slots of the stator. 
every seventh conductor being connected by a non-reversible tremi pipe to the differential girdle spring on the girdle up end of the gram meters. Now we're talking girls? Moreover, whenever fluorescent score motion is required, yes. it may also be employed in conjunction with a drawn reciprocation dingle arm dingle. to reduce sinusoidal defluoration. The retroencabulator has now reached a high level of development, yeah. and it's being successfully used in the operation of Milford Trunnions. And McDonald's. It's available soon wherever Rockwell Automation products are sold. Yeah, see, so soon that will be, uh, well, your local McDonald's. You either buckle down and do your work or you'll end up at McDonald's. We going to McDonald's if I don't do my work? No. Hard work, hard work, that's what they say. Hard work, hard work, You can call 888 phone number. That's 888-97. I'm talking about changing the subject. Fine. I'll just kind of roll with it no matter what happens. So let's head over to the formerly great state of California. Used to be the golden state now. What, what are they now? I don't, I don't even know what I would consider them. Not even so much of a state. You know, they recently had a pretty good earthquake there, and I was just disappointed it didn't finally tear them off and float them out to sea, at least, anyway. But, okay, the latest from California. California Wish we all could leave California by Babylon. you too much. California is the least charitable state, even though they're one of the wealthiest. It's just a matter of how people are giving. Now, I get I, a little more credit than what the story goes into. So taking a look at what charity really is. Charity, they say, begins at home. There are people who take care of family members and help take care of neighbors, and that's never reported. Church and civic groups give all the time, and a lot of it's never reported on a, on a local level, much less a national level. So there's that. Then there's, of course, charitable organizations, and which do get reported. So it's people giving both time and money. But however you add it up when it comes to – and this is where you got to really be careful because a lot of people are repeating the story by WalletHub. And you've heard me pick on WalletHub before. And WalletHub, when it comes to doing research, they suck. They don't know what research is. But even when I add things in that WalletHub forgot, you know, this about the sixth most charitable state is Wyoming. Now, they try to say, yeah, but Wyomingites don't give a whole lot of money. Uh, they actually do. But Wyoming also gives a lot in time. The people of Wyoming in helping their neighbors, their family, their neighbors, and also people across the community and across the state. So they just count, well, what about money and a little bit of time given? But they don't look at the whole picture because they're wallet hub. So what do you expect? California's population keeps shrinking, by the way. Now, this is just the latest. The Census Bureau, there's someone I know who got a report, a census packet, 
and he asked me, why am I getting a census packet? Did we just do the census? Yeah, but now they got to follow up, right, with even more information. So, okay. And they gave him a final notice since he didn't fill out the first packet, and I thought, well, good. Now you won't be getting that junk mail anymore. But all right. California has always been a popular destination for tourists, the story says. Those looking to move away from extreme seasonal weather. Figures released last week show California resident population was about 39,029,342 in July 2022, a decline of about 113,000. That's a pretty big number there. Deputy Director of External Affairs, California Department of Finance, told the Sacramento Bee, shrinking population affects the Golden State's housing affordability crisis. If you talk demographics, he says, they say that one of the factors is the cost of housing that people are leaving. Well, one of the factors. I wonder, does he actually get into things like taxes and regulation, too? One of the reasons that so many businesses are packing up and leaving the state to go someplace that's actually business-friendly, but okay. Nationwide, U.S. population increased, but California is decreasing. Quote, there was a sizable uptick in population growth last year to the prior year uh, historically, said the Census Bureau. Texas, Florida continue to see the most significant growth, becoming some of the largest states out there. Texas gained about 470,000 people, 470, 708,000 people in about a year's time. Uh, but by crossing the 30 million population mark, which Texas did, Texas joins California as the only state with a residential population above 30 million people. Florida's population increased uh, 1.9%. So, Florida is now at 22,244,823 people. By the way, uh, Sister Dear, you remember when we first moved to, to Florida when we were kids, I believe at that time there was about like 4 million people in the state. Now there's over 22 million. Top states, California. Number two is Texas. Number three, Florida. Number four, New York. Number five, Pennsylvania. Number six, Illinois. Number seven, Ohio. Number eight, Georgia. Number nine, North Carolina. Number 10, Michigan. Guess where Wyoming is? Yeah, we're, we're the last, all the way at the bottom for the state of Wyoming. But yeah, when I take a look at this, I wonder sometimes when I look at numbers like this and where population is shifting and why, markets in radio, television, news markets, and so on, media markets are numbered. They're numbered by the size, the population, and importance of the market. And for the longest time, New York was market one. Los Angeles was market two. Chicago was market three. Considering how many people are leaving California and are leaving Illinois, I wonder at some point, and even leaving New York, at some point, when is New York no longer market one? Or Los Angeles has to give up its number two status as the biggest market. And now it's, you know, I lived and worked in Tampa for a while. Last I looked, uh, Tampa had moved up 
quite a bit, and that was like market 18, I think, something, 18 or 19, some of that. When I was a kid growing up there, it was nowhere near that, but now it's like a market 18 or 19. So I just wonder, as markets shift in population, how long will market one, New York City, remain market one? So California just still doesn't seem to get it. Neither does New York, or for that matter, Illinois. Other states like that, they keep ramping up the taxes, the regulations. They keep putting a crunch on people and blaming everything but themselves, the state government, for doing this. And people pack up and move out, and they blame the people moving out rather than look into their own policies. Coming up on local news, right after the local news update on your weather forecast, you and I get back into it again. Triple eight ninety seven Woods, the phone number. Wake up, Wyoming. Six of time, wake up, Wyoming. All right, triple eight ninety seven with the phone number eight 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 ninety seven W O O D S. I never was one who really cared much about well, so and so won this award, or the critics gave praise to, or what. I don't care. I, I just don't. Now there are some though awards that are given out that are truly merit that somebody earned it, honestly earned it, and it would help them advance. Because they did, they set a goal, they achieved the goal, they were recognized for achieving that goal, and that helps them advance to the next level. Until this story in front of me reads, for two years, two, I'm sorry, for years, two administrators at Thomas Jefferson High School for Science and Technology have been withholding notifications of the National Merit Award for their school's family, most of them Asian thus denying students the right to use those awards to boost their college admission prospects and scholarships. This episode, the story says, has emerged among the school district's new strategy of equal outcome for every student, without exception. Well, hang on a second now. So once again, a student set a goal. The student achieved the goal. Therefore, they get this merit award, which they can put on their college application. Now, any student who did not try to do that or was not able to for whatever reason, they can't have the merit award. But those people who are able to achieve their goals, there's a way forward here. It motivates people, right? School administrators, for instance, have implemented a equitable grading policy. Yeah. Forget how good you actually are. Forget trying to motivate people. This is an equitable grading policy that eliminates zeros, gives students the grade of 50% for just showing up, and decides a cryptic code of NTI for assignments not turned in. It's a race to the bottom, essentially. 
the intrepid Thomas Jefferson School, the lawyer uncovered withholding of the National Merit Awards since starting as a freshman at the schools in September 2019. Her son, who was part of the Arab American Statistical Analysis Literature Reviews, whatever, college-level science, basically, is what this was. The workload was necessary to keep him up to speed on advanced studies, which he did. So, again... He did all of this extra work. He stayed up late. He worked hard. He achieved. And he should win the merit award. Where's the merit award? Never got it. This was supposed to help him get into a better college. Story says this isn't just a matter of some students not receiving a certificate to hang on their wall or not being cited during a school assembly. National Merit Award looks very good, again, on college applications to very prestigious universities out there. The students mentioned in this took the PSAT, achieved a score that placed them above 3% of the students in the nation, along with winning the National Merit Award. But this one particular student I'm talking about, again, can't list this on his application. And he's trying to go to places like MIT. Principal of the school said the director of student services reportedly conspired to withhold the award for years, impacting as many as 1,200 students under their equitable grading policy. Almost no student will ever fail if they get 50% or up. So nobody gets failing grades here. The story says, as we've seen with other charter schools in California, efforts have been underway to eliminate merit-based achievements in the opinion that the reforms to, again, it's something wrong here. Everybody must have an equal outcome, which is what they're pushing for. And then we wonder, I don't anyway, why some young people step out of school into the real world and fall flat on their faces especially when, well, you don't get paid at work just for showing up. You actually have to work. There's a reason behind that. You actually have to work. And if you don't, you lose your job with good reason for losing your job. And it's been found with various jobs, those who are more productive, well, the company likes those people and wants to keep them and builds in incentives to get people to work harder and even to make more money. That's part of the incentives. There's the real world. But let's say you work for yourself. You start your own company. There's still incentives if you work harder, you achieve more, you make more. See, that's life in the real world. So this idea that they have, well, that's not right. Everybody's going to get the same no matter what because that's fair. That's not what's fair. That's not equitable. That's not fair. That's not just. In fact, I would even go so far as to say that's stealing from these kids. 942, Wake Up Wyoming. 87 Woods or Chat with Glenn on the Wake Up Wyoming mobile app from K2 Radio. I'm 
947 in time, almost 948. Off we go to the ice box. Frank Gambino is waiting by. Uh, Frank, for this next story, I take you to the great neighboring state of South Dakota. Okay. Yeah, and the lovely governor of South Dakota, Christy Nome. I've uh, seen her. She's gorgeous. Oh, yeah. Got a chance to interview her a couple of times. Doubt she'll ever remember me, but just a very switched on and very intelligent woman and, and beautiful as well. And I, I'm hoping that she'll run for other offices because, you know, she can only be governor of South Dakota for so long. And here's why. She was celebrating her Christmas by showing off her new flamethrower. Oh, really? Yeah. So she steps out into her backyard. And, of course, she has the family ranch. So it's yeah, yeah. a big area. And there piled up was all of the different boxes and stuff from all the, the other Christmas presents. That were unwrapped. The paper, the boxes, and so on. The whole nine yards. Throw, throw some wood in there, too, right? Story says Governor of South Dakota, Christy Nome, got a flamethrower for Christmas. Well, of course she did. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> Don't all governors get flamethrowers for Christmas? Yeah. Well, she rode rodeo and all that oh, kind yeah, of stuff. Oh, yeah, but so, do all rodeo yeah. folks get flamethrowers for Christmas? Yeah. And so America's finest uh, lawmaker, Governor Christy Nome, proudly shows off flamethrower. Uh, that her staff bought. I was wondering, was it her husband? It was her staff that they bought, bought it for the flamethrower. Yeah, Nome was of course dressed up in all of the jackets and everything for you know how cold it was, and it's very snowy out there. Okay. And she walks around the big pile of again, there's boxes and wrapping paper with logs thrown on top, and she uses the flamethrower just to light that puppy up, and then turns to the camera, Frank, and she does a little curtsy. Okay. <laughs> See, I am the master of the flamethrower in South Dakota. Yeah. Um, Let me see. Okay, no. Miss Mary was responding to something else. Okay. So when I look at people like that, and you you hear me all day long complaining about the typical politician. Um, I would like her to run for anything. I don't care. And bring the flamethrower? And please do, yes. Bring the (laughs) flamethrower. When you saw, where did you see her at? Oh, the Deadwood Rodeo. Oh, okay. She right. uh, yeah. would bring in the um, the flag for the national anthem on horseback. Oh, all right. Now that sounds great. And she does know how to ride very well. Very well. Oh, yeah. Since oh, she yeah. was a little kid, she's been riding. So yeah, I I'm very impressed with her. And also, I've seen various videos of her out back with various guns. She still hunts. Yeah. Too. You know, there's not many governors out there that actually go hunting. But she actually still hunts, and it's legit. It's not for the cameras. It's because, well, that's what her family does. However, if she goes to rodeos, leave the flamethrower at home. That's, uh, yeah, that's that's for trying to light something outside in wintertime. Or, or Frank, clearing the driveway. Y- yes. You know, you got all that snow piled up there. Mm-hmm. Why grab a shovel? You got a flamethrower now. I know. It works like a charm. Well, the big news in the National Football League is the Denver Broncos axed their first-year head coach, Nathaniel Hackett, after that 51-14 loss to the Los Angeles Rams on Sunday. The Broncos and Hackett have been a train wreck this season with a record of 4-11, and thanks in part to a woeful offense and a woeful performance from quarterback Russell Wilson this season. Now, this is a guy the Broncos gave up two first-round draft picks and signed him to a $245 million contract. Wilson threw three interceptions in that game and the Rams uh, against the Rams. The Broncos are averaging 15 points a game, which is the worst in the NFL. That's incomplete. Plus, they should fire the general manager, too. 
Heck, if for reason this deal was in above his head, if it, with poor game decisions, poor game management, Jerry Rossberg would, would be the interim head coach uh, for the rest of the season. The Broncos also fired their offensive line coach in Butch Berry and their special team coach in Dwayne Stooks. The game on Sunday was, a, was about as ugly as you'll ever see. The Rams uh, scored on eight of nine possessions. Bronco players were jawing at each other. Bronco linebacker Randy Gregory punched a Ram, Rams player. And Denver will not make the playoffs for the seventh consecutive season. To the NFL from Saturday, the Buffalo Bills with former UW quarterback Josh Allen approved the 12-3 with a 35-13 row win over Chicago. It was really, really cold in that game. Allen was 15-26 of 26 for 172 yards with two touchdown passes and two interceptions. Cincinnati keeping pace in the AFC with a 22-18 win over New England. Casper, native and former UW guy Logan Wilson, was in on nine tackles from his middle linebacker spot. Seven of those tackles were solo, including a sack. College football, the Wyoming Cowboys will play Ohio on Friday afternoon at the Arizona Bowl in Tucson. The folks come into that game with a record of 7-5, and five, and Ohio is 9-4. and four. That's a 2.30 start from Tucson on Friday. We'll have that for you on K2 Radio and Casper and KOWB and Laramie. And in men's college basketball, the Wyoming Cowboys will start Mountain West Conference play tomorrow after, tomorrow at Fresno State. The Cowboys are 5-7 and seven on the year, well below expectations. Fresno State is 4-7, and seven, so here's a chance for UW to steal one on the road. 9 p.m. start tomorrow night from Fresno. We'll have that for you on K2 Radio and Casper and KCGY and Laramie. And that's it in sports for today. What's the Super Bowl going to look like? Gonna look well. I don't know. Okay. <laughs> have no. That's too. All I. I can't even remember where it's at. Oh, I thought you had like picks and all of. Oh no, no. We're 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 too miles far away. Of, you know, miles. Every, every everyone would love to see the Buffalo Bills in the. Uh, in the I'm sure. And uh, do you think they have a? I think they have a better than 50-50 chance, and maybe a 75-25 okay. chance of making it. They're that good. Now, on the other side, you know, I, I hate to admit it. You know, the yeah. the, the Minnesota Vikings have actually. Won a whole bunch of games, and they oh, okay. seem to have pulled out all these games out of their, you know, uh, yeah, out of their okay. New York. You know what? Yeah. I mean, uh, okay. I mean, you can do that for how long? But you know, they're... well, here's a good thing with Josh Allen. We've talked about this before. So, since Colorado's so bad, now we have another team to root for because of Josh. Right. Yes. Yeah. And, okay. and the Broncos can only blame themselves because they had a chance to draft Josh Allen too. You see. They turned him down. Yeah. A series of stupid mistakes. And that's the position the Denver Broncos are in today. Okay. Congratulations, Broncos. Yeah, congratulations. Yeah, okay. It's a new level of suckage. It's a beautiful day in this yeah, country. All right. Thank you, Frank. Coming up on some local business we have to take care of. We're going to roll into news time after that national local update on new weather forecast. Hey, don't forget this program, when it's over, becomes a podcast. Use your Wake Up Wyoming app. Touch on demand. Select today's episode. Listen when you want to listen to it for free. It's Wake Up Wyoming. I never write.